إن الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور أنفسنا وسيئات أعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له وأشهد أن لا إله إلا الله وحده لا شريك له وأشهد أن محمدا عبده ورسوله أما بعد so carrying on with the chapter of fasting Today then, we begin with the narration of Sahal ibn Sa'ad, radiyallahu anhuma, anna Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qal, la yazalu al-nasu bi khayrin ma'ajjalu al-fitr, muttafaqun alayh, that the people will remain upon goodness as long as they hasten to open their fasts, meaning that they open their fasts on time when Maghrib approaches, when it enters. And in the second hadith here of Abu Hurairah, radiyallahu anhu, قال, قال الله عز وجل, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala said, أحب عبادي إليّ أعجلهم فطرا that the most beloved of the servants to me are the ones who are most hasty in opening their fast meaning that they open their fast on time at Maghrib time they don't delay beyond that they are the most beloved of the servants to Allah these two narrations then are talking about the topic of iftar and that it is from the sunnah to make sure that you do the iftar on time not delayed and late. So when maghrib time comes, when the sunset time comes, you open your fasts, you don't delay beyond that. Because some people, what do they do? When it comes to Maghrib, they don't open their fasts, they delay on purpose. They delay by 10 minutes, 20 minutes, half an hour, saying, we need to be careful, and we need to make sure the sun has definitely gone down, to make sure that our fast is correct. And so they don't open the fast at the time of Maghrib, they delay on purpose beyond Maghrib to make sure, as they claim, to be certain that it's definitely opening the fast after the sunset. And that is a mistake and it is wrong. The sunnah tells you to open the fast at the time of Maghrib. As soon as the time comes to open the fast, and that the people will remain upon goodness as long as they open their fasts early on time, as soon as Maghrib it appears and it enters. In the second narration it mentioned that Allah says, the most beloved of the servants to me are the ones who do that, who open their fasts on time, when Maghrib enters, and do not delay it like some of the Shia and some of the other people of innovation do, 
claiming that we need to make sure and we need to be certain. So they delay the opening of the fast beyond Maghrib. That is incorrect. Also, with regards to the rulings of the iftar, similarly, when a person opens his fast, you are supposed to open the fast and then pray Maghrib. Then after that you can sit and eat as much as you wish. But it's a mistake what some mosques do. They lay out all of the food, the rice, the chicken, everything. And people sit down and they eat for 20 minutes, half an hour. Then they go and do the jama'ah for maghrib. That is incorrect. That is not the way of the sunnah. The sunnah is everybody open their fast. And then do the jama'ah for maghrib. Then after that you can roll out all the food and everything else and everybody can sit down. So it is not supposed to be everybody sitting down for a meal first and then doing the jama'ah for maghrib afterwards. It is supposed to be that you just open your fast with something small, then do the jama'ah for maghrib, then come back and eat as much the meal, whatever it might be. And we have the hadith of Salman ibn Amir radiyallahu anhu عن النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم قال إذا أفطر أحدكم فليفطر على تمر فإن لم يجد فليفطر على ماء فإنه طهور This hadith tells us what you should eat in the iftar. What you should eat when opening your fast initially. And the hadith says that the Prophet ﷺ mentioned, when one of you opens his fast, then open it upon dates. When one of you opens his fast, then open it upon dates. And if you don't find any dates, then with water, because it is pure and purifying. So this narration highlights that the preferred food for a Muslim to open his fast with is dates, and ideally the rutab, the soft, moist dates. And if you don't find them, then the normal type of dates. And if you don't even find them, then with water. That is what a Muslim is supposed to open the fast with. So you open your fast with dates and water, then you're supposed to pray your maghrib, then after that you can eat. And the Prophet ﷺ, that is how he would do it. Dates and water... Then pray, then if he wanted to sit and eat afterwards, he would sit and eat afterwards. Also here we have a hadith about the other side, the suhoor. وَعَنْ أَنَسِ بْنِ مَالِكَ رَضِيَ اللَّهُ عَنْهُ قَالَ قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمُ تَسَحَّرُوا فَإِنَّ فِي السُحُورِ بَرَكَةً that you should have the suhoor, for indeed within it there is barakah. Within the suhoor there is barakah. 
The Suhoor, of course, we know is the early pre-dawn meal, as they say. The meal or the food that you have before Fajr time starts. And that, the Prophet ﷺ said, there is barakah within it. Barakah within it because it gives you energy for the day, gives you energy for the worship of the day, the fasting. So you have energy for your prayers, you have energy for your reading of the Qur'an, for your worship that you're going to do during that day whilst you're fasting. So that morning meal gives you some energy for the day, for your fasting, for the worship you're going to be doing during the day. So that is one type of barakah in this meal. Also it is mentioned in a hadith that the Jews and the Christians, they prohibited upon themselves to have a suhoor when they fast. So we oppose the way of the people of the book, we oppose the way of Ahlul Kitab, and we have a suhoor in the morning before starting the fasting. So there are those reasons mentioned for having the suhoor, there is barakah within it, and it is opposing the way of Ahlul Kitab who do not have suhoor, and it is implementing the sunnah to do so. The question then is, when are you supposed to have the suhoor? When are you supposed to have the suhoor meal? Before Fajr when though? An hour before, two hours before, three hours before? When before Fajr exactly? Fajr as well, what do you mean by Fajr? The sunrise. The sunrise? The entry time of the prayer. The entry time of the prayer. So the entry time of the prayer is when you see the horizontal light appearing upon the horizon. That is the entry time of Fajr. That is when you have to stop eating. That is the close time, as they say, when the Fajr time enters. So when are you supposed to have the suhoor? Before that Fajr time, by how long? One and a half hours before that Fajr time enters? Before sunrise, okay, but the Fajr time entering. From the Fajr time entering, how much before that? One minute? Ten minutes? An hour? So basically you can be eating right up unto it. So ideally, ideally we're saying what's the ideal time? Should you eat an hour before, half an hour before, or is it the ideal time to start just 10 minutes before? When is the best time to have the meal? We know you can have it all the way up until Fajr time enters, but what is the best sunnah time to have it? Right there? Or five minutes before, ten minutes before, an hour before, some mosques on their timetable, two hours before the time finishes. Down to the individual, depending how long it takes you to cook in the morning. Depends on what you're eating. Huh? No, too fast, too fast. Eid Mubarak is going to come afterwards. So, 
in the sunnah it tells you, there's a hadith of Zayd ibn Thabit, that he was asked, because he used to have suhoor with the Prophet So he was asked, when the Prophet used to have the suhoor, from that up until the prayer, Fajr prayer, what was the time gap? And he said, the time gap from the Prophet ﷺ having the suhoor up until the Fajr prayer, or the Adhan of Fajr, or the Iqama of Fajr, the time gap was the amount of time that it would take you to read 50 ayahs of the Qur'an. 50, 5 zero. 50 ayat of the Qur'an, how long does it take to recite? 50 ayat of the Qur'an, 2, 3, 4 pages of the Qur'an, 50 ayat. How long does it take to read those? 5 minutes, 10 minutes, 15, 5, 10 minutes. So that shows the Prophet ﷺ used to have his suhoor right at the end, just minutes to go, 5, 10 minutes to go before the Fajr time was entering. And this is the sunnah, to have the suhoor right at the end, not one hour before, not even half an hour, 40 minutes before, 10 minutes before. Or meaning you start eating so that you're going to finish 5-10 minutes before, if you're going to have a, a, a reasonable suhoor, you might start half an hour before, but the point is, you're going to finish when there's 5 or 10 minutes to go. And should you have a reasonable suhoor or not? What do the scholars say about that? So the scholars say, it's not, or some of the scholars have mentioned, it is not appropriate to have a massive meal at suhoor time. Having a massive meal at suhoor time, that's not the way. Because during the day of Ramadan, you are actually supposed to experience a bit of hunger. It's not the point to have a huge meal at suhoor, huge meal at iftar, another meal after taraweeh, and then during the day of fasting, nothing really happening. So that's not the way. The scholars say you're supposed to have a small something average at the time of suhoor, not stuffing yourself. Not a big meal stuffing yourself at the time of suhoor. You're not supposed to do that. That is not from the, the mannerisms of fasting. So something average, not something completely small, average, just a small average amount of food that is going to give you some energy for the day. And that is taken towards the end when you're getting close to the time of Fajr entering. And so you see, it's a big mistake what some of these mosques do. Their Fajr Jama'ah is like 3.30 a.m. And their closing time on the calendar is like 1.30 a.m. You can't eat after 1.30 a.m. But the Fajr is at 3.30 a.m. That's a complete mistake. It's a mistake what they do. And it's a misunderstanding of how they interpret things and Fajr time and everything else. The reality is when Fajr enters, from that entry time, that's when you have to stop eating. Like these days, Fajr enters maybe quarter past four, roughly 4.30, 4.15, Let's say 4.30 these days it enters. So if you're going to fast tomorrow, you could eat all the way till 4.30. According to some of these people on their calendars, if Fajr starts at 4.30 tomorrow, you have to stop eating at 2.30. Completely wrong. Why? The Prophet ﷺ would stop eating just 5 or 10 minutes before the Fajr time entered. So that is when the suhoor is supposed to be late. Whereas the iftar is supposed to be early, on time. Do not delay the iftar. Then after that, 
حديث أبو هريرة رضي الله عنه where it mentions نها رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم عن الوصال فقال رجل من المسلمين فإنك يا رسول الله تواصل قال وأيكم مثلي إني أبيت يطعمني ربي ويسقيني فلما أبوا أن ينتهوا عن الوصال واصل بهم يوما ثم يوما ثم رأوا الهلال فقال لو تأخر الهلال لزدتكم كالمنكل لهم حين أبوا أن ينتهوا In this hadith now, it talks about the topic of continuous fasting. Meaning, you have your suhoor in the morning, you fast all the way till Maghrib, but you don't open your fast. Carry on fasting. Carry on all night. Carry on into the next day. Two days, three days fasting, no food, no drink, nothing. Carrying on continuous fasting. This hadith, the Prophet ﷺ told them at the beginning of the hadith, it says the Prophet ﷺ forbade them from continuous fasting. Forbade them, prohibited them from continuous fasting. But then there was a man in the audience, a man in the audience, he stood up or he said to the Prophet ﷺ, But you, O Messenger of Allah, you do continuous fasting. Prophet ﷺ used to do it. Fast for two, three days consecutive, no food, no drink. So one of the people there, he said, O Messenger of Allah, but you do it. What he meant was, you do it, so we want to do it. We want to be like you. Because now the Prophet was telling him, you can't do it, don't do it. Continuous fasting. But they all wanted to emulate and be like the messenger. So they said, one of them, but you do it, O messenger. Meaning, let us do it. Why can't we do it? You do it. We want to do it as well. But the Prophet ﷺ was telling them, you can't do it. So when the man said, but you do it, O messenger of Allah, the Prophet ﷺ said, but who from amongst you is like me? He said to them, who from amongst you is like me? I sleep and my Lord feeds me and gives me drink. Who from amongst you is like me? But still, they kept saying, but O oh Messenger of Allah, you do it, and they want to do it as well. So in the end, the Prophet ﷺ did it with them. So they all started their fasting on the first day, carried on till Maghrib, didn't open it. Carried on all second day. So imagine like today, Sunday, started the fasting at, at Fajr time this morning, All the way now, you're supposed to open it. They didn't. Carried on all night, all tomorrow, Monday, till Maghrib. Then at Maghrib, they carried on. But then the new moon was sighted. The new moon was sighted. So that means it's not going to be Eid. It's haram to fast when the moon of Eid is sighted. So they had to open it. But the Prophet said to them, if the new moon hadn't come out tonight... I would have carried on all the way to the next day as well to show them, look, you wouldn't have been able to do that. You wouldn't have been able to carry on into a third day with no food, no drink as well. So, that is what happened in this narration. What is the ruling then? 
on continuous fasting, i.e. going beyond Maghrib, not opening it, <coughs> carrying on into the night, carrying on into the next day. What is the ruling on continued fasting? It's free of all hands and press colors. So what are they? So that would be like 24 hours. Yeah. So from suhoor to suhoor. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or if they can handle it, you can do it. If they can handle it, you can do it. If the Prophet forbade it, then you can't do it. There are different opinions about this. Opinion number one is that it's haram. Haram. You cannot continue your fast past Maghrib. You can't carry on after Maghrib. Maghrib, you got to open it. First opinion says it is haram to continue with fasting beyond the opening time. And that is actually the opinion of the majority of the scholars. Because at the beginning of this hadith, how did it stop? The Prophet ﷺ prohibited them and told them, it's not allowed for you to do continuous fasting. But then there is the problem that people may bring up in the end, he let them do it with him. But why did he let them do it with him? To tell them that it's a sunnah, you can do it, it's allowed? Or to give them a physical example of why they can't do it? It was to teach a lesson about this topic of continuous fasting. To show them practically that you're not going to be able to do it. So he let them do it. So they experienced it for two days. And he told them, even more than two days I could have carried on. But you can't. You see now why you can't. You see why I'm telling you don't do continuous fasting. That was the point of that. So that wasn't to show them it's okay, you can do it. That was only to show them why they shouldn't be doing it. And why he was telling them don't do it. He let them do that physically to experience why they are being told not to do it. So the first opinion is it's haram. Back to the original ruling, it's haram. The Prophet told them you cannot do it. The second opinion is that it's allowed, but you shouldn't do it though. It's allowed, but you shouldn't do it. That's the second opinion. First opinion straight out was haram. Second opinion, it's allowed, but you shouldn't do it. Third opinion, it's only allowed if you're capable. You have the ability. If you're somebody who doesn't have the ability, it's haram, you can't do it. You don't have the ability, you don't have the health, you don't have the health or the ability, etc., then it's haram. But if you have the strength, then it's allowed. The fourth opinion is the opinion of Imam Ahmad. It's allowed only up to sahur. So imagine Sunday this morning now, you started your fasting all the way, you don't have to open it now at Maghrib, you can carry on till 4 o'clock. Sahur time. So that would be like 24 hours. That is an opinion of Imam Ahmad. And he has an evidence, there is a hadith in Al-Bukhari, where the Prophet ﷺ forbade 
the continuous fasting. He said, لا تواصلوا فأيكم أراد أن يواصل فليواصل إلى الصحر. But if any of you want to continue, then continue only to the sahur. So Imam Ahmad said, there you go, you can take that ruling. If you really want to carry on more, you can carry on up until suhoor, 24 hours and that's it. That is an opinion. So, there are the four opinions. The opinion of a Shaykh Al-Fawzan is this fourth one as well. That it is allowed to go past Maghrib, but only up to the suhoor time, not past that. But the majority of the scholars, like we said, they said you cannot go beyond Maghrib at all. You have to open your fast at Maghrib. Then, Hadith of Abu Huraira also mentions, قَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ مَنْ لَمْ يَدَعْ قَوْلَ الزُّورِ وَالْعَمَلَ بِهِ وَالْجَهْلِ فَلَيْسَ لِلَّهِ حَاجَةِ فِي أَنْ يَدَعَ طَعَامَهُ وَشَرَابَهُ That whomsoever does not leave false speech and acting upon that falsehood and foolishness, whoever doesn't leave these types of things, then Allah has no need for that person to leave his food and drink. Whoever doesn't leave the evil speech and the evil behavior and the foolishness, then Allah has no need for that person to stop eating and drinking. This hadith is telling us about the types of things that break your fast in terms of the reward. So if somebody carried on with evil behavior in Ramadan, they would lose the reward of fasting but their fasting would count. It would count, but they would lose the reward of it. Somebody who carries on lying, swearing, backbiting, doing all of those things, you lose the reward of your fasting. The fasting will count, meaning you don't have to... You, you don't have to make it up. You don't have to make those days up again because you were backbiting or swearing or lying. You don't have to make those days up again. It counts, but you won't get... Any reward or hardly any reward. Because all of your reward will be taken away because you've been lying and you've been swearing and you've been backbiting and you've been telling stories between people, carrying tales. You've been doing all of these things. So the reward that you would have got for fasting has been taken away bit by bit by all of these things you've been doing. The fast will count, but the reward you get for it, maybe you end up with nothing for that day. Maybe for that day of fasting, 18 hours, you end up with no reward for it. You end up with no reward for that day of fasting. Because you've been using all of that day in haram and in evil. So this hadith is about that topic. Because remember, there are two things that break your fast. One type of thing that breaks your fast is the one that actually breaks it and invalidates it. So you got to make it up again. Like eating and drinking, etc. The other thing that breaks your fast, it means it breaks the reward of your fast, even though the actual fast still counts. This hadith is about which type? The one that breaks the reward of your fast, even though the fast itself still counts. 
You don't have to make it up again. But you could have fasted the whole day and end up at the end of the day with no reward for that day. 18 hours of fasting and you open your fast at Maghrib and you get no reward for that day. Because you've been bite-biting, you've been lying, you've been swearing, you've been abusing people, you've been doing all this haram and deception in your trade and business and whatever else. You've been doing all of this haram, carrying on with all of this evil. So you may end up with no reward for that fasting, even though the day will count. So here that's what the hadith means. It says, somebody who isn't going to leave their evil speech and their evil behavior and their foolishness, then Allah has no need for you to leave your food and drink. Meaning, you're not doing your fasting properly. Fasting isn't just about leaving the food and the drink. The salaf, they used to say what? They used to say, to stop eating and drinking, that's the easiest part of fasting. That's the easiest part of fasting. To stop eating and drinking. But the real difficulty in fasting is to stop the lying, the backbiting, the bad behavior, all of these things. That's the hard part. Stopping eating and drinking, they said that's easy. Anybody can stop eating and drinking. But can everybody stop their lying and their bad behavior and their bad habits? That takes more effort. Because people may stop eating and drinking and without knowing it, they're carrying on with their habits. They're still backbiting people, they're still cheating in their business, they're still lying, they're still doing all of those things without even thinking. That's their habit. So the Salaf used to say, leaving food and drink is the easy part. Leaving these other behaviors... That's the hard part. So here that's what this hadith is trying to show us. That fasting isn't just about stop eating and drinking. It is about stopping your evil actions and behaviors. Stopping your lying, your backbiting, your, your storytelling. All of these haram speech, haram statements and acts that a person engages in. That is what fasting is supposed to be teaching you also. To abstain from all of those types of activities. A person who doesn't, at the end of Ramadan, you may end up with hardly any reward for the whole month. Even though you've done it, you fasted the month, you've done your Ramadan. But you may end up with hardly any reward for that Ramadan. Wasted all your reward because of all of the evil that you carried on doing during Ramadan. So it's very important for everybody to take care with this. And to make sure they rectify themselves and make sure they drop all of their evil habits and evil behaviors and speech, and to better themselves during the month of Ramadan. Then the final hadith we'll do for today, hadith of Aisha radiyallahu anha, قالت, كَانَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَّى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ يُقَبِّلُ وَهُوَ صَائِمْ وَيُبَاشِرُ وَهُوَ صَائِمْ وَلَكِنَّهُ أَمْلَكُكُمْ لِئِرْبِهِ In this hadith it mentions that the Prophet ﷺ would kiss, meaning kiss his wife whilst he was fasting during Ramadan in the day. And that he would engage in intimacy, foreplay, not intercourse though, whilst he was fasting. But Aisha says he was at a far greater level of control than any of you. 
He was greater, the greatest in the control than any of you. So this hadith is now talking about this topic of the intimacy between the husband and the wife. It shows that the Prophet ﷺ kissed his wives or some of his wives during Ramadan whilst he was fasting. And that indeed he engaged in intimacy of the foreplay, not the intercourse, because we know of course intercourse is haram and the hadith is going to come. But the foreplay and the intimacy. فَكَانَ يُبَاشِرُ يَعْنِي يَمُسُّ نِسَاءَهُ مُبَاشَرَةً مِنْ غَيْرِ حَائِلْ وَهُوَ صَائِمْ وَكَانَ يُقَبِّلُ نِسَاءَهُ وَهُوَ صَائِمْ وَلَكِنَّهَا أَشَارَتْ فِي آخِرِ الْحَدِيثِ لَأَنَّهُ كَانَ أَمْلَكَكُمْ لِإِرْبِهِ يَعْنِي لِشَهْوَتِهِ فَكَانَ يُسَسَلَّمْ لَا يَخَافُ مِنْ ثَوْرَانِ شَهْوَةً عَلَيْهِ So the Prophet ﷺ never had any fear of his desires overcoming him. That is what Aisha radiallahu anha mentioned. He had control over that. There was no issue of his desires overcoming him. فَدَلَّ عَلَى جَوَازِ مُبَاشَرَةِ الصَّائِمْ لِأَهْلِهِ يعني لمس زوجته وتقبيلها إذا كان ذلك لا يظهر شهوته أما إذا كان يظهر شهوته فإنه لا يجوز له ذلك بل يبتعد عنه لأنه وسيل إلى شر So the hadith would seem to indicate that a person who has control over his desire and is not going to be overcome by that desire then he's allowed to kiss the wife or to even engage in further intimacy lesser than intercourse if he is able to control his desire. But the fuqaha have said the reality of that is the actual implementation of that is that especially the youth there is no uh, there is little or unexpected control of the desire. It would not be expected that the youth and those who are young would be able to control that affair. And that's why the fuqaha, they say, this really only applies to the elderly in age. Elderly in age, the desire isn't a problem like the one who is young. Somebody who is young, and when we say young, all the way to 30, 40s, even 50s maybe. But when you get to maybe 60s, 70s, elderly in age, then the desire is not the same. So the fuqaha, they said maybe the elderly in age, they could kiss the wife, they could uh, uh, be in more physical contact with the wife, because there would be no real threat of any desire overcoming a person elderly in age. Whereas those younger in their age of youth, 20s, 30s, 40s, even 50s, then it is expected that the possibility of the desire overcoming someone is great. And that's why they say, those who are in that younger age group are prohibited from this. Only the elderly where the desire is not expected, they are allowed to do this. Because they are the ones who would only be able to control that desire, the youngsters would not. So therefore, it is only permissible, as some scholars say, for the elderly where that desire is not going to be an issue. But as for the younger in age, then it is not something allowed for them to do, to engage in this type of physical contact with the wife uh, whilst fasting. So, we'll round off on that one for today. Maghrib is coming in. Next week we're going to start on the topic of cupping when fasting.
Is it permissible to get the cupping done when fasting? There are a few hadith about this. So we'll look at all of those different hadith insha'Allah and then come to some conclusion regarding if cupping is allowed or not. So next week, uh, by next week, Maghrib will be quarter past eight. So inshallah, 10 past seven, roughly we'll start. 10 past seven approximately. We'll have a full hour as well, inshallah ta'ala. So we'll conclude upon that for tonight. Any quick questions or anything before we round off? There is a narration about Saturdays uh, that you should not fast Saturdays and some of the scholars have mentioned that hadith to be authentic uh, that Saturdays should not be fasted at all according to some scholars ever except with the only exception of Ramadan that for the rest of the year you should not fast Saturdays at all ever but other scholars they say you can fast Saturdays if it is joined with other days or if especially it comes on special days like the day of Arafah the day of Ashura, those kinds of days. Then you can fast the Saturday for those reasons. <coughs> Friday should not be fasted by itself. If you fast on a Friday, you're supposed to fast Thursday with it. Ideally, Thursday with it. And according to some scholars who allow Saturday, Saturday with it. So Friday should not be done by itself. Join Thursday with it. Or according to some scholars, you can join Saturday with it. If they're making the fast up from after, you know, um, after Ramadan, you know, they've been on the menses, mm-hmm. they're making them after. Mm-hmm. So after the them or that they shouldn't do a Friday by itself. Generally, yes. Generally speaking, that ruling is an overall ruling that you shouldn't do Friday by itself. Scholars will allow it; it's allowed. You could do it, and it's not a sin. But ideally to implement all of the rulings, then it would be better that you make up on other days, or if you're going to make up on a Friday, make a Thursday with it too. Ideally to implement all of the rulings in that way. Saturday, difference of opinion, some scholars say not at all, others they allow it for those reasons. Sundays, I'm not aware of any narration about Sundays. Sunday is allowed to fast. Why is that Friday is not allowed? There's a hadith. There is a hadith in the sunnah about Friday is not by itself. If you do a Friday, you have to do a Thursday with it. There's a hadith when the Prophet ﷺ, he came home one day and one of his wives was fasting on Friday. So he said to her, did you fast yesterday with it? Or are you going to fast tomorrow with it? Highlighting that Friday shouldn't be by itself. It should be with Thursday or according to some scholars with Saturday. I don't know, you guys in Leeds, you buy, you buy jackets and trainers of a guy off the street. <laughs> so the, that type of thing, it's not really, uh, if, if there's a doubt about those things, about the authenticity of the label, 
You're not supposed to buy fake goods. It's haram. Because you are cheating and deceiving the original company. Profits are being taken away from them because of fake goods. That's deception Islamically. People are selling these fake goods looking like the real ones and it's taking away from the profits of the actual original company. That's why the scholars have said it's haram to buy fake goods. If they're real and they're stolen, then obviously it's haram to buy those goods. You cannot buy stolen goods. According to some scholars, their fasting will not be accepted because they are kuffar if they're not praying. And according to others, then it's a, a disastrous situation. How can a person not be praying but they fast? It shows they have no concept of understanding Islam and the obligations. They miss the prayer but they fast. It's a calamity. And according to many scholars, their fasting won't even be accepted. Just people discourage people from fasting if they don't pray. Of course not. Of course not. You allow them, but you encourage them to pray. It's not the other way around. You don't say, okay, you're not praying, so forget fasting. If fasting, you encourage them to pray. You have to force them, encourage them with a lot of encouragement to make sure they pray along with their fasting. That's what you have to do. Yeah, possibly. <laughs> That's a, it's a legitimate opinion. If a person isn't praying, it is a legitimate opinion of many scholars that the person is not a Muslim. And if the person is not a Muslim, then his meat is not halal. That is a legitimate statement to be made for the scholars who say a person who doesn't pray is a kafir. Of course, we know that there is a, the alternative opinion too, that a person, as long as they are upon all of the rest of the affairs, shahada, everything... That the prayer is a great deficiency, but it's not kufr. Difference that. Alright, we'll leave it there. Inshallah ta'ala, carry on next week.